An Alarm to the Unconverted Joseph Alain Introduction An Earnest Invitation to Sinners to Turn to God Dearly Beloved, I gladly acknowledge myself a debtor to you, and am concerned as I would be found a good steward of the household of God to give to everyone his portion. But the physician is most solicitous for those patients whose case is most doubtful and hazardous. And the father's pity is especially turned towards his dying child. So unconverted souls call for earnest compassion and prompt diligence to pluck them as brand from the burning. Therefore to them I shall first apply myself in these pages. But from when shall I fetch my argument? Wherewith shall I win them? Oh, that I could tell. I would write to them in tears. I would weep out every argument. I would empty my veins for ink. I would petition them on my knees. Oh, how thankful should I be if they would be prevailed with to repent and turn. How long have I labored for you? How often would I have gathered you? This is what I have prayed for and studied for these many years that I might bring you to God. Oh, that I might do it now. Will you yet be entreated? But, Lord, how insufficient I am for this work. Alas, with what shall I pierce the scales of Leviathan, or make the heart feel that it is as hard as another millstone? Shall I go and speak to the grave and expect that dead will obey me and come forth? Shall I make an oration to the rocks or declaim to the mountains and think to move them with arguments? Shall I give the blind to see? From the beginning of the world was it not heard that a man opened the eyes of the blind? But you, O Lord, can pierce the heart of the sinner. I can but draw the bow at a venture, but do you direct the arrow between the joints of the harness, slay the sin, and save the soul of the sinner that casts his eye on these pages? There is no entering into heaven but by the straight passage of the second birth. Without holiness, you shall never see God. Now give yourselves to the Lord. Now set yourselves to seek him. Now set up the Lord Jesus in your hearts and set him up in your houses. Kiss the Son, Psalm 2, 12. And embrace the tenders of mercy. Touch a scepter and live, for why will you die? I don't beg for myself, but would have you happy. Just a surprise I run for. My soul's desire and prayer for you is that you may be saved. What greater joy to a minister than to hear of souls born to Christ. I beseech you to suffer friendly plainness and freedom with you in your deepest concern. I am not playing the orator. These lines are upon a weighty errand indeed. To convince, to convert, and to save you. If I would quiet a crying infant, I might sing to him in a pleasing mood and rock him asleep. But when a child has fallen into the fire, the parent takes another course. He will not try to steal him with a song or a trifle. I know. If we speed not with you, you are lost. If we cannot get your consent to rise and come away, you perish forever. No conversion. No salvation. We must get your goodwill or leave you miserable. But here the difficulty of my work again recurs upon me. Lord, choose my stones out of the brook. First Samuel seventeen forty and 45. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, God of the armies of Israel. 
I come forth like to stripling David, to wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. Ephesians 6.12 This day let the Lord's might the Philistines spoil the strong man of his armor and give me the captives out of his hand. Lord, choose my words, choose my weapons for me, and when I put my hand into the bag and take thence a stone and sling it, carry it to the mark and make it sink, not into the forehead but into the heart of the unconverted sinner. Smite him to the ground like Saul of Tarsus. But I turn me to you. Some of you do not know what I mean by conversion, and in vain shall I attempt to persuade you to that which you do not understand. Therefore, for your sakes I will show what this conversion is. Others cherish secret hopes of mercy, though they continue as they are, and for them I must show the necessity of conversion. Others are like to harden themselves with a vain conceit that they are converted already. To them, I must show the marks of the unconverted. Others, because they feel no harm, fear none, and so sleep as upon the top of a mast. To them I shall show the misery of the unconverted. Others sit still because they do not see their way of escape. To them I shall show the means of conversion. And finally, for the quickening of all, I shall close with a modus to conversion. Directions to the unconverted. Before you read these directions, I advise you. Yea, charge you before God and his holy angels that you resolve to follow them. As far as conscience shall be convinced of their agreeableness to God's word in your state. And call in his assistance and blessing that they may succeed. And I have sought the Lord and consulted his oracles as to what advice to give you. So must you entertain it with that awe, reverence, and purpose of obedience which the word of the Lord requires. Now then attend. Set your heart to all that I shall testify to you this day, for it is not a vain thing. It is your life. This is the end of all that has been spoken hitherto to bring you to set your heart upon turning to God. I would not trouble you, nor torment you before the time with the thoughts of your eternal misery, but in order to your making your escape. Were you shut up under your present misery without remedy, it were but mercy to let you alone, that you might take in that little poor comfort which you were capable of in this world. But you may yet be happy, if you do not willingly refuse the means of your recovery. Behold, I hold open the door to you. Arise. Take your flight. I set the way of life before you. Walk in it, and you shall live and not die. It grieves me that you should be your own murderers and throw yourselves headlong when God and man cry out to you as Peter in another case to his master. Spare yourself. The destruction of ungodly men is willful. God that made them cries out to them. His Paul to the distracted jailer went about to murder himself. Do yourself no harm. The ministers of Christ forewarn them and follow them and would gladly have them back. But alas, no expostulations or entreaties will prevail, but men will hurl themselves into perdition, while pity itself looks on. What shall I say? Would it not grieve a person of any humanity if in the time of a raging plague he should have a remedy that would infallibly cure all the country? 
and recover the most helpless patients. And yet his friends and neighbors should die by hundreds about him because they would not use it. Men and brethren, though you carry the certain symptoms of death in your faces, yet I have a receipt that will cure you all infallibly. Follow but these directions, and if you do not then win heaven, I will be content to lose it. Hear then, O sinner, and as ever thou wouldst be converted and saved, embrace this following counsel. Direction 1. Set it down with yourself as an undoubted truth that it is impossible for you ever to get to heaven in your unconverted state. Can any other but Christ save you? And he tells you who will never do it except you be regenerated and converted. Does he not keep the keys of heaven and can you go in without his leave? As you must, if ever you come there in your natural condition without a sound and thorough conversion. Direction 2. Labor to get a thorough sight and lively sense and feeling of your sins. Till men are weary and heavy laden and pricked at the heart and quite sick of sin, they will not come to Christ in his way for cure, nor to purpose inquire, what shall we do? They must set themselves down for dead men before they will come to Christ that they may have life. Labor, therefore, to set all your sins in order before you. Never be afraid to look upon them, but let your spirit make diligent search. Inquire into your heart and into your life. Enter into a thorough examination of yourself and all your ways that you may make a full discovery and call in the help of God's Spirit in this sense of your own inability. Herein too, for it is his proper work to convince of sin. Spread all before your conscience till your heart and eyes be set weeping. Leave not striving with God in your own soul till it cry out under the sins of your sins. Is the enlightened jailer, what must I do to be saved? To this purpose meditate on a number of your sins. David's heart failed when he thought of this and considered it he had more sins than the hairs of his head. This made him cry out for the multitude of God's tender mercies. Look backward. Where was ever the place? What was ever the time in which you did not sin? Look inward. What part or power can you find in soul or body, but it is poisoned with sin? What duty do you perform into which this poison is not shed? Oh, how great is the sum of your debts, who has been all your life running upon trust and never did or can pay off one penny. Look over the sin of your nature, and all its curse brood. The sins of your life, call to mind your omissions and commissions. The sins of your thoughts, words, and actions. The sins of your youth and the sins of your riper years. But be not like a desperate bankrupt that is afraid to look over his books. Read the records of conscience carefully. These books must be opened sooner or later. Meditate upon the aggravations of your sins. It's there the grand enemies of the God of your life and of the life of your soul. In a word... Dear the public enemies of all mankind, how did David, Ezra, Daniel, and the good Levites aggravate their sins from the consideration of their opposition to God and his good and his righteous laws, and of the mercies and warnings against which they were committed? Oh, the work that sin has made in the world. This is the enemy that has brought in death, that has robbed and enslaved man, that has done the work of the devil and digged hell. 
This is the enemy that has turned the world upside down and sown dissensions between man and the creatures, between man and man, yea, between man and himself, setting the animal part against the rational, the will, against the judgment, lust, against conscience, yea, worst of all, between God and man, making the sinner both hateful to God and the hater of God. Oh, man. How can you make so light of sin? This is a traitor that thirsted for the blood of the Son of God, that sold him, that mocked him, that scourged him, that spat in his face, that tore his hands, that pierced his side and pressed his soul, that mangled his body, that never left him till he had bound him, condemned him, nailed him, crucified him, and put him to an open shame. This is that deadly poison so powerful of operation and one drop of it shed on the root of mankind has corrupted, spoiled, poisoned, and ruined his whole race. This, the bloody executioners that has killed the prophets, burnt the martyrs, murdered all the apostles, all the patriarchs, all the kings and potentates, that has destroyed cities, swallowed empires, and devoured whole nations. Whatever weapon it was done by, it was sin that caused the execution. Do you yet think it but a small thing? If Adam and all of his children could be dug out of their graves, and their bodies piled up to heaven, and an inquest were made, what matchless murderer were we all guilty of? This blood, it would all be found in sin. Study the nature of sin, till your heart inclined to fear and loathe it and meditate on the aggravations of your particular sins, how you have sinned against all God's warning, against all your own prayers, against mercies, against corrections, against the clearest light, against the freest love, against your own resolutions, against promises, vows, and covenants of better obedience. Charge your heart home with all these things till it blush for shame and be brought out of all good opinion of itself. Meditate on the desert of sin. It cries to heaven. It calls for vengeance. Its due wages are death and damnation. It brings the curse of God upon the soul and body. The least sinful word or thought lays you under the infinite wrath of God. Oh, what a load of wrath. What a weight of curses. What treasures of vengeance have all the millions of your sins deserved? Oh, judge yourself. That the Lord may not judge you. Meditate on the deformity and defilement of sin. It is black. It's hell. The very image and likeness of the devil drawn upon your soul. It would affright you to see yourself in the hateful deformity of your nature. There is no mire so unclean, no plague or leprosy so noisome as sin in which you are plunged and rendered more displeasing to the pure and holy nature of the glorious God. Then the vilest object can be to you. Could you take up a toad into your bosom? Could you cherish it and take delight in it? But you are as contrary to the pure and perfect holiness of the divine nature till you are purified by the blood of Jesus and the power of renewing grace. Above all other sins, consider these two. 1. The sin of your heart. It is to little purpose to lop off the branches while the root of corruption remains untouched.
In vain do men draw out the streams when the fountain is running that fills it all up again. Let the acts of your repentance with David's go to the root of sin. Study how deep, how permanent is your natural pollution, how universal it is till you cry out with Paul upon the body of death. The heart is never soundly broken till thoroughly convinced of the heinousness of its original and deep-rooted depravity. Here, fix your thoughts. This is that which makes you backward to all good and prone to all evil, that sheds blindness, pride, prejudice, and unbelief into your mind, enmity, inconstancy, and obstinacy, into your will, inordinate heats and colds, into your affections, insensible and unfaithfulness, into your conscience, slipperiness, into your memory, and in a word has put every will of the soul out of order, and made it, from a habitation of holiness to become a very hell of iniquity. This is what has defiled and perverted all your members, and turned them into weapons of unrighteousness, and servants of sin. Did has filled the head with carnal and corrupt designs, the hand with sinful practices, the eyes with wandering and wantonness, the tongue with deadly poison. Did his open ears to tales, flattery, and filthy communication, and shut them against the instructions of life, and has rendered your heart a curse source of all deadly imaginations, so that it pours out its wickedness without ceasing, even as naturally as a fountain does pour forth its waters, or the raging sea casts forth mire and dirt. And will you yet be in love with yourself and tell us any longer of your good heart? Oh, never leave meditating on a desperate contagion, the original corruption of your heart, till with Ephraim you bemoan yourself, and with the deepest shame and sorrow smite on your breast as a publican, and with Job abhor yourself and repent in dust and ashes, the particular evil that you are most addicted to, Find out all its aggravations. Set home upon your heart all God threats against it. Repentance drives before it the whole herd, but especially sticks the arrow in the beloved sin and singles us out above the rest to run it down. A labor to make this sin odious to your soul and double your guard and resolutions against it because this does most dishonor God and endanger you. Direction 3 Strive to affect your heart with a deep sense of your present misery. Read over the foregoing chapter again and again and get it out of the book into your heart. Remember when you lie down that for aught you know you may awake in flames. And when you rise up that by the next night you may make your bed in hell. Is it nothing to you to live in such a fearful case? to stand tottering on the brink of the bottomless pit, and to live at the mercy of every disease that, if it but fall upon you, will send you forthwith into the burnings. Suppose you saw a condemned wretch hanging over Nebuchadnezzar's burning fiery furnace by nothing but a thread which was ready to break every moment. Would not your heart tremble for such an one? You are the man. This is your very case, O man and woman. You read this, if you be yet unconverted. What if the thread of your life should break, and you know not, but it may be the next night, 
Yay, the next moment. Where would you be then? Where would you drop? Verily upon the breaking of the thread you fall into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, where you must lie while God hath a being if you die in your present case. And does not your soul tremble as you read this? Do not tears bedew the paper and your heart throb in your bosom? Do you not yet begin to smite on your breast and bethink yourself what need you have of a change? What is your heart made of? Have you not only lost all regard to God, but all love and pity to yourself? Oh, study your misery till your heart cry out for Christ and earnestly, as ever a drowning man did for a boat, or the wounded, for a surgeon. Men must come to see the danger and feel the smart of their deadly swords and sickness, or Christ will be to them a physician of no value. The manslayer hastens to the city of refuge when pursued by the avenger of blood. But men must be even forced and driven out of themselves or they will not come to Christ. It was distress and extremity that made the prodigal think of returning. While Laodicea thinks herself rich, increased in goods, in need of nothing, there is little hope. She must be deeply convinced of her wretchedness, blindness, poverty, and nakedness before she will come to Christ for his gold raiment, and I solve. Therefore, hold the eyes of your conscience open. Amplify your misery as much as possible. Do not flee the sight of it for fear it should fill you with terror. The sense of your misery is but, as a word, a superation of the wound, which is necessary to the cure. Better now to fear the torments that abide you than to feel them hereafter. Direction 4. Settle it upon your heart that you must look out of yourself and away from your own doings for help. Never think of praying, reading, hearing, confessing, or amending will do the cure. There must be attended to this, but thou art undone if you rest in them, and you are a lost man if you hope to escape drowning on any other plank. But Jesus Christ, you must unlearn yourself and renounce your own wisdom, your own righteousness, your own strength, and throw yourself wholly upon Christ, or you cannot escape. While men trust in themselves and establish their own righteousness and have confidence in the flesh, it will not come savingly to Christ. You must know your gain to be but loss, your strength but weakness. Your righteousness rags and rottenness before there will be an effectual closure between Christ and you. Can the lifeless body shake off its grave clothes and lose the bands of death? Then may you recover yourself who are dead in trespasses and sins and under an impossibility of serving your Maker acceptably in this condition. Therefore, when you go to pray or meditate, or to do any of the duties to which you are here directed, go out of yourself, call in the help of the Spirit. It's the Spirit to do anything pleasing to God in your own strength. Yet, do not neglect duty. Put yourself in the way of the Spirit. While the eunuch was reading, and the Holy Ghost sent Philip to him. When the disciples were praying, when Cornelius and his friends were hearing, and the Holy Ghost fell upon them and failed them all.